Let's continue the conversation. Liz Ensoner is back with us, Chief Investment Strategist at Schwab Center for Financial Research. Uh, so, Lizanna, how do you uh, approach these times where uh, you are a student of, of charts and data, uh, and um, every time you're here, right, there's, there's always data. It's data the way you think about things. We try to do that from a technical standpoint with the charts, try to remain, uh, remain objective. Uh, so where do you go for answers in, in these moments where it goes totally off the chart? Well, yeah, we had off the chart first thing in the morning and then off the chart in the other uh, direction. And Wild. I think um, some of it, you know, your prior guests talk about at some point the the risk of the big news um, uh, having now happened has already been priced in to some degree. I think there's still so much short-term money in the market, um, algo-driven, quant-driven, that might be keying off technical conditions when things get extraordinarily oversold or you see some sentiment triggers, which uh, I would argue you could see you get these maybe counter-trend moves. I, I think at this stage, it's probably a better bet that this is a counter-trend move in this ongoing, what I've been calling stealth uh, bear market versus mm -hmm. some you know definitive bottom here. But that's the, the nature of the market environment that we're in right now. And it really just reinforces uh, disciplines uh, for investors, especially around things like rebalancing, which force us to take advantage of volatility by doing the opposite of what sometimes our emotions lead us uh, to do. I know you, you know, you touched on the notion of panic. Well, panic can work in both directions. Panic can be the sentiment around selling. It can also be the sentiment around uh, buying. And, and we actually might have had a day where we seen a little bit of both. Uh, so you don't hate my panic buying uh, explanation. <laughs> Description. Uh, pa panic is just an emotion, and, and we can panic in and we can panic out. Neither are an investing strategy, though. <laughs> What's going to um, bring sober minds, Lizanne? What is um, going to kind of normalize uh, the market from a uh, news reaction standpoint? Um, you know, let's just say that there's no more shocking news out of a, a hypothetical. I don't even know how we would describe that at this point, but uh, is it? I mean, we've got inflation print tomorrow. Um, that uh, could be a big deal. Is uh, Can we be anchored by economic data at this point? I, I think what probably matters most, aside from the day-to-day -day news out of Russia and Ukraine, and I have no ability more than anybody else to yeah. try to glean what that will be. Clearly, there are worst-case scenarios if this turns into a nuclear war, a cyber war, if it's protracted, if sanctions have to kick in. But let, let's assume however we define stability there and attention gets diverted back to, all right, what then matters, particularly over the next month as we wait for the mid-March um, Fed meeting. I think ultimately what matters in terms of Fed policy, which again, I think has been the, the number one factor with which markets have been grappling, leaving aside the Russia-Ukraine situation, mm. is whether with ongoing volatility, we start to face liquidity issues that threaten financial system stability. I think the the Fed and Powell in particular, his differentiation between financial market volatility and financial system instability and making sure people understand that they're not necessarily intertwined and that the Fed would step in if financial stability, system stability looks to be at risk. So between now and March, that's what I would look at. If it's volatility without financial system instability, even if there's more weakness in the market, I don't think that turns the, the Fed from being sort of tilted hawkishly to tiltish dovishly. But if things really spiral and you do start to face liquidity issues uh, or solvency issues, then I think it would be a different story in terms of Fed policy. The uh, bond market uh, has been 
Uh, pretty calm. Uh, I guess it depends on your perspective, but generally higher yields have been uh, more associated with uh, equity market volatility. Uh, how does this play into it if geopolitics bring a real strong bid back into treasuries as they have here? How does that side of the equation factor in? Does that just set us up for yields to, to rip even more uh, whenever this well, cools off? You know, if it, right, if, if you continue to see um, buying in treasuries, that could uh, continue to put a little bit of downward pressure on the tenure. And if the Fed is still full steam ahead of getting off the zero bound, then the flattening of the yield curve becomes a bigger issue, which had started to be the rationale behind some folks at least starting to dust off the recession, you know, playbook or at least the the checklist. And and if you were to see a continued flattening of the yield curve in conjunction with the economic implications of what is going on in, in Russia and Ukraine and potentially exacerbated by additional sanctions and through the feeder channel of, of inflation, um, I think, again, we, we might have to start checking a box or two in terms of, uh, of recession. I, that's certainly not my base case at this point, but um, you know, history is littered with experiences of, of spikes in energy prices almost alone being uh, factors that, that drove economies into recession. And, mm. and we had other issues at play even before this latest move up in, uh, in energy prices. Uh, great point. Um, and um, a, a general historic uh, reminder that I think is very uh, pertinent. I know that people try and find kind of the specific examples, okay, this invasion versus that one or this war versus the other, but <laughs> bottom line is the surge in prices uh, for, for energy, not a great thing. Uh, Lizanne, thanks uh, uh, and good timing uh, being here with us today for uh, help us navigate this. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Oliver. You got it. Lizanne Saunders, Chief Investment Strategist at Schwab Center for Financial Research. Thanks, Lizanne.